Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Catch Cup podcast. This week, we have another guest um, from County Mayo, David Harkin, who is an outdoor enthusiast, um, a kayak instructor, does polar guiding, and also studying outdoor education. He's here today to share his stories in the outdoors. Welcome, David. How are you today? Thank you very much. I'm great. Uh, it's good to good to be joining you. Super. Have you been outdoors yet today? <clears throat> I haven't because it's been really bad weather the last couple of days. It's been raining, so actually I done a bit of indoor training this morning. But I might. Get, I'm just looking out now. It's it's actually calmed down a bit, so I may get out this afternoon for a paddle or something like that. Okay. And would you like? If, say if you're going for a paddle now, would you be doing like a big distance or is it like a leisurely thing? No, I, I do a lot of racing. So I train probably usually twice every day. So um, it, it'd be uh, usually minimum 10 kilometers, something like that, or 12 kilometers, maybe 20. And um, during the week, I was paddling with Brezzy and a few of the guys that are doing a, a kayak down the Shannon. So I joined them on Thursday, uh, Wednesday, and we did 30 kilometers with them and uh, across cross lock dirt so that was a nice bit of training to get in and uh yeah i have a race this weekend so or tomorrow so we'll uh i won't be doing too much today and like what kind of is it like are all ireland racing or local or how does that work um no so i do i'm into mainly like long distance racing kayak racing so um i do a lot of international races um and then of course we have a national circuit in ireland where there'll be races all over the country so tomorrow's in cabin and there could be like the liffey descent in dublin or um there could be races in cork all over the place and usually every every other weekend during the summer and then there'd be big races around the world that should be trying to take off like uh we're going to one, I'm going to one at the end of, or the first week in August in uh, northern Spain. It's called the Sela Descent, and it's like the craziest race in the world. 1,500 people all start together um, on this small little river, and it's um, it's nuts, but it's really good. Wow. And do you be bashing into them? Oh, yeah, it's absolute carnage. Uh, <laughs> there's absolute carnage. Um, and the, to make things even more exciting, to make everybody land, stand, uh, line up on the bank of the river and their kayaks are at the water and everyone has to run to their kayaks to get in. So you have 1,500 people all running down these, this rocky shore to get in. And like 10,000 spectators, it's uh, it's absolutely mental. But it's, wow. it's great. And is that done in like a day kind of a thing? or? Yeah, it's a short race. It's only like two hours. I can't remember the distance. If it's 20 kilometers or something like that or 26 kilometers. But it's um it's like a big festival in northern Spain and um it's really popular and uh yeah it's one of these sort of classic events that um even if people aren't competitive because like you'll have world champions to people who just want to be there for the experience you know um and everyone starts together it's it's great crack wow and would you get something if you get like a good place. Yeah, if you won the race, it's big kudos if you get it, if you win the race. But um, you'd have to be, you'd be talking like really, you'd want to be really at the top of your game. You'd be talking like world champions will be, will be the guys winning this. Yeah, yeah, it'd be very, very competitive. It's mad how in all different sports, there's like all this stuff going on. And like when you're not in it, you sure you wouldn't have a clue, like, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose uh, some of these things can be a bit niche. So, um. 
even within kayaking alone, there's probably 15 disciplines that are, you can do all these different things. And some of them I find completely weird and niche. And I'm like, why would anybody spend their time doing this? But I'm sure other people look at some of the disciplines we do, like long distance kayaking on your own or something like that, solo crossings or expeditions. Mm. There isn't much appealing about them to the outsider. And yeah. sometimes you wonder what appeals to yourself to do them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And would you like, would you actually just be there and listen to the water or do you take music or are you just present? Uh, it depends. Sometimes um, I will, if a lot of the time if I'm training alone or going on a long paddle, I will listen to podcasts or music. But the only thing is if you get too dependent on it, generally what happens is technology lets you down and then if your headphones die or something won't work and you're so used to listening to music or podcasts and then you have nothing, it's really hard to cope. So mm. you, you want to make sure you can do a bit of both. Um, and also, um, yeah, if, especially if you're on the sea, you kind of depends where you are. If you were doing a crossing or something, you can't really listen to music because you need to keep an eye out and an ear out for ships because you could very easily get run over by a ship. So no different to being on the road. And how did you actually start it? Did you start it when you were super young, or become? Um, yeah, luckily I did start. My cousins were big into playing canoe polo and all sorts of kayaking, and um, I remember waiting. I had to be twelve to join our local club, so I was. I remember waiting and waiting to join the club, and um, it was I think six or seven of us joined together, we were all the same age, and we paddled a lot for the first few years, learned to roll, do loads, and with great freedom we could be out in the river messing around for hours no unsupervised it was brilliant and they were the good days where you could do things as a kid and nobody had to watch you um so yeah I was lucky to get really good strong skills before the age of like 15 and then I actually left I didn't really kayak then from about the age of 16 till about 26 so but once you have the foundation it makes uh, makes it so much easier compared to people trying to learn a skill as an adult it's way more difficult because we're very conscious. We don't play. We're too self-conscious and we don't, um, and we have, we don't put the hours in, you know, if you want to get good at stuff, you have to have regular practice and yeah, just messing about is, is a really good way to get good at things. And you know, like we're on about the disciplines, like I see the guys on the beach <clears throat> now it's like a surf beach, but like they just stay at the shoreline and they're just on waves. So like, what's that then? Or what are they doing? That'd be surf kayaking. Okay. Yeah, so that's I do, I do a little bit of that. It happened in the last year or two. But yeah, a few years ago, we've always done a little bit, but we have such good surf in Ireland. It's amazing that probably the most popular discipline in Ireland is whitewater kayaking, which is kind of funny because we don't have good whitewater like to have in France or Norway or wherever, Italy, because they have snow melt. We've only rain and uh, we have incredible surf. So uh, and I know everyone thinks oh, it rains a lot in Ireland, but if you're a whitewater kayaker, it doesn't really rain that much because you need a lot of rain to fill up the rivers. And uh, yeah, so surf is, I often say surf and sea kayaking is probably the, the disciplines that should be biggest in Ireland because that's, we have the best, we have incredible surf, we have incredible sea kayaking. Um, but yeah, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I'd be always watching them. I'm like, get out the way. <laughs> yeah yeah surfer surfers board surfers don't really like to see kayak surfers coming uh, in because <laughs> they're a bit worried like is it good today and i'm like no it's shit 
yeah. What's the beach? You, what's your local beach? It's Inch. It's a small little beach. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very better. small. It's kind of... Okay. <laughs> with the tides in, you've only a short little space, you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the guys come and they're on the paddle boards with the, you know, the, I don't know what it's called, but they're on big, huge paddle boards with the sticks, you know. Oh, yeah, with a paddle, yeah. It was what? With the paddle. paddle yeah, with the paddle. That's with the board it. and the paddle, yeah. Yeah, they come yeah, in yeah. and I'm like, they're like, they take up even more space. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful on the stops but because they're super heavy too. Like when they fall off, I'm like, the size of the thing, you know. Yeah, if you get hit by it, you know about it. Yeah, that's cool though, sea kayaking. And, and like we've so much water here, like it's just not being used, is it? Um, No, but at the same time too, it does take a high level of skill to sea kayak in Ireland because we have the Atlantic. And from once you go past Kinsale Head all the way up to past Malin Head, it's pretty full on sea kayaking. You know, it's not easy. And uh definitely not for beginners it's it's proper there's many of i many of paddlers sets out to go around ireland and they get to the west coast and then they're like this is more than i expected mm. wow have you done it around ireland i've had a crack at it yeah in 2017 i had to go with the record in late august i left and my gamble was the weather would be quite good first week in september yet generally when the schools go back it is but so i had 1100 kilometers done i'd gotten from mayo all the way back around to curry and i had 400 kilometers to go but i was in dingle and the weather was got really bad and i decided after 17 days to to stop in dingle so yeah it's somebody was asking me about it recently and i said at the time it was the right decision and it was the easy decision because the weather forecast was so bad but it's the type of thing about a year or two later when you're brushing your teeth or you're going to the toilet in the middle of the night that pops into your head and you're like oh maybe it wasn't that bad maybe maybe I could have kept going you know mm. and uh when I re- and I, I remember it being I remember it being really bad so um yeah and as they say to people it's not like it's not like you're on a, a bicycle expedition or a running expedition like you can't just step off if you're on a solo kayak expedition on the west coast of Ireland or wherever you're you can't every time you get in your kayak you're committing to that section you know there's a lot of sections where you have no exits for maybe 10 15 kilometers and um it's up to you to be able to make the decisions can i go or can't i go and yeah there's a lot of factors is you've got tides you've got the wind and you've got the swell off the atlantic um so yeah it's pretty action-packed place along the west coast so it's uh yeah, if the weather's against you, you ain't going anywhere. And around where you live there now, do you go on to like river or can you get to the ocean or? Was yeah, that? I'm quite. I'm really lucky where I live because in Balna we have um a, the the river Moy goes through Balna and it's tidal into the town. So I've got the ocean ten minutes one direction, river in the town, and on the other side of the town then there's um Loch Cullen and Loch Con, which are two huge lakes. And they're like 10 minutes away as well. So I within a week, I could paddle. Within a few days, I could be paddling on three different things. Um, ocean, river, or lake, whatever. Whichever the weather suits. Yeah. And I, I think great, I've yeah. been to Loch Con. I was at Loch Mask there, but that's near that, is it? Loch Mask is a bit close to Galway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it was down that way. 
Um, and tell us a bit about like your kayaking in the icy areas. How, yeah, so how's that? It's unbelievable. <laughs> so I was lucky enough to start polar guiding in 2019, and um, I've been to Antarctica I think five times now. And last year we started going to the doing the company I work for. I started running kayaking in the Arctic as well. Um, unexpectedly, because I've always dreamed of going to the Arctic and seeing like um, polar bears, especially. And last summer I got uh, an email out of the blue. Was I available to go and kayak guide in Svalbard? So <clears throat> went up there, had an incredible trip. Um, we got we went up into the pack ice. We're like a thousand kilometers from the North Pole. Seen polar bears, everything, blue whales, beluga whales. Um, and I'm just back this uh, just back a week from Svalbard again. Wow. And we had another great trip um, last week. A lot of very close encounters with with um, with uh, blue whales. And we'd won fluke a couple of times for us right in front of the ship, which is um, blue whales are funny because it's the biggest creature that's ever existed. And um, but you don't really see much of it in the water. You only see is like five percent of it. But when and, and they only occasionally fluke and show their tails. So it was really amazing to see that. And uh, so yeah, I've been to Antarctica a few times. The Arctic. I'll go to the Arctic again in in August. Um, and then last year as well, I got to go to Greenland, which was um unexpected but and there you get the northern lights and polar bears and uh and the ice which is um yeah it's really incredible so yeah the seeing the seeing the northern lights was a big thing for me as well so yeah it's been a it's been a great i suppose uh way to see um and a lot of these a lot of these uh expeditions have kind of come unexpectedly but um yeah if you're if you're open to these things sometimes you can uh it can just come up, come up. You never know what's going to pop up in your email. And like, would people look at you then, your friends and stuff, and would they be like, Jesus, like you're living the dream? Or would people yeah, say, Yeah, it's funny. A few, few people have said to me recently, because I suppose now it's I'm going so regularly that it's becoming like, I'd be like, Oh, I'm not around next week. I'm going to the Arctic or I'm going to Antarctica. And to me now, it's become normal. But for them, it's so surreal to hear somebody saying they're going to Antarctica. Um, and yeah, a few friends were joking about it there a few weeks ago. They're like, it's it's really bizarre. Your life is totally, totally out, out there compared to normal people's um, because of the places you'd be going to, yeah. And it's like nowadays, it's all like it's not your typical, like people can have other types of work and live differently, work differently. Yeah, totally. I think... Um, I know like I used to do a lot of uh, work in schools in environmental and marine education and for sure like it was something I used to be saying to kids is that like you don't have to follow the well-trodden path of society's suggestions there's loads of other jobs out there and um and anyway it's like anything in our generation is going to have lots of careers so for me um this type of work suits me a lot at the moment and it's but it's tough work you know if you had Family and kids would be very difficult because you're away, you're offline. Like a lot of the time, you have no internet, you have no contact <clears> with the outside world, totally isolated. Um, so it's not not suitable for everyone, and it's quite hard work. You know, you're 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 out during the day for maybe seven eight hours, um, and zodiacs or kayaking or whatever or on land, and then you're actually working maybe sixteen seventeen hours a day because when you're on the ship, you're engaging with with the with the guests all the time. You know. 
Um, so when you get to bed, you're 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 happy to get to bed in the evening for sure. Yeah, my God, yeah, it's crazy. I remember like when we were down in Antarctica, there was one guy in particular. I was like, I used to be like, I'm exhausted. Like I just want to go into the cabin and hide. And he was like, I know I'm the same. And I was like, how do these people just talk all day, every day? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. just constant people, people. And like, I wasn't used to that at all. You know, I was backpacking alone. I was just mm. like, oh my God. So like, we'd be going for our naps in the day. <laughs> we'd come back out. But that guy in particular, he had lived in the Scotland, in the Scotland wilderness for like six years alone in like a hut. Right. So he was totally well, not adapted for people every day, you know. <laughs> well, but, that's um, a bit extreme for that's a bit extreme for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Introvert. But yes, you're trying trying to find the balance. But yeah, there is times when you just need to escape. And uh, a funny thing actually in the Arctic last week, um, and it really hit me last year, was the 24 hours of daylight. And um, because then you're sitting in the lounge talking to guests and the next thing you're like, oh, it's 12 o'clock and you don't feel like going to bed like because your brain does not trigger its bedtime because it's, it is the sun's really high in the sky. Um, so yeah, it's really hard to be disciplined because you'll be like I'll be grand tomorrow and you wake up in the next morning erect because you've been up way too late I wonder does it affect the animals as well you know do they just stay alert and awake I'd imagine so because well they're they're uh, adapted to it so for example polar bears would be hunting day and night up there well it's all time all the time day but so we, the last trip we seen a polar bear the first one we've seen was around one o'clock in the morning and he was eating a seal so yeah, they don't bother with them. But then obviously in the winter, the, there's, the animals up there will be doing the opposite. So they'll be sleeping a lot. And, um, you know what I mean? They, they, they'll be well adapted. We're not used to it. Talking to a lot of people in Svalbard, it was funny. I asked a few of the locals, like, what did they... Not that there's many locals. It's all, a lot of people live there, but there's like 53 nationalities. So a lot of people just go there. And you'd be like, why are you here? And they'd be, um, oh, I just came and I liked it, so I've stayed. And but a lot of them said they prefer winter, they prefer the darkness to the light, which I thought was very surprising. Mad, isn't it? Are they kind of? It is, but I can understand a little bit after being there for a while because your um, your nervous system is shot when it's bright twenty four seven. You know, you can't. It's so hard to unwind in the evenings and it's I don't know it's an Irish thing too it's it feels wrong to close the curtains when there's sunshine outside and it's one but it's one o'clock in the morning like I have to close the curtains and try and go to sleep yeah it's really um yeah that's mad isn't it I heard like I've read about the seed banks up there and stuff like that in the animals but I know when I was in Iceland I know they had that um when I was there it was 22 hours of light and I was camping okay. in this trail and it was very exciting because I'd be hiking at 11 p.m. And I'd be like, ah, I'll be fine. Sure, like it's not going to get dark, so I'm not going to get lost. And then about 2 a.m. it would slightly go a bit dusky. And then about yeah. 4 it would be bright again. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah. I used to be like jamming stuff on my eyes at night, like, you know, at night because you're just, you're kind of wound, aren't you? Like, yeah. So it's hard to it's hard to maintain your circadian rhythm, um. So yeah, you do you're wired all the time, but eventually you're just so exhausted you have to, mm. you will sleep eventually. <laughs> it's gas. Like when I went back to work then and I was telling them what I was doing, you know, and how cold it was, 
and mm-hmm. like that you'd have to be moving to keep warm and stuff and they were like that doesn't sound like a holiday at all <laughs> like you don't sleep don't you don't but it, when you come back it feels like it was amazing just in it like it's quite hard you know but, yeah, yeah it's funny but uh, I think most of po- most of the population go on holidays I think people like you and me we we travel I, I don't think I, I've ever I don't really go on holidays I've never really gone on a holiday I go somewhere to either see something or do something or yeah um maybe suffer in some way <laughs> and then and and that's the, that's what you do whereas holidays yeah don't really appeal to me yeah and like what other kind of spots have you gone to that you were like wow like wildlife or scenery that you enjoyed um, oh incredible place uh, vancouver island um uh, myself and a guy from the uk guy from vancouver island 2015 i think it was 2015 or 16 2016 and um that was incredible that was my first sort of both our first experience of like true wilderness um and been in like bear country and stuff like that and I remember like I remember seeing bald eagles for the first time and there's loads of them there and um or, or another evening we pulled in after paddling like 80 kilometers and we're sitting making dinner and there's blue or there was whales I can't remember where the gray whales I think just in the in the harbor where we were blown away and um yeah it's incredible and then seeing our first bear I remember seeing the first uh it was the only bear we actually ended up seeing it was a black bear on the island and we were a bit stressed out about it because we were camping. And uh, how big was people, it, or how near? Uh, it, was, it was on the shore, like it was close enough that we could get pictures with us in it. One of us in the picture and the beer behind them. And um, but it was just on the shore looking for crabs and stuff. But in hindsight, we were a bit stressed out because some people would tell you like, "Oh, to be really careful of the bears," da da da. And other people would be like, "Oh, black bears are fine. Just make a noise and they'll run away," and which I think is right. I wouldn't be that fearful of them now. But at the time, we didn't really know anything about bears. And um, I remember camping the next few nights afterwards. And it's really stressful, like trying to find camp spots where there wasn't bear scat on the ground. And um, then in the middle of the night, if you heard noises and stuff outside, because you can't bring anything into your tent. You have to, you have to, like, I remember when my hand, one of my hands got badly infected with the blisters on it. And I was trying to put stuff on my hands and put the stuff back in the kayak and seal that all up. And then get to the tent without it all and into bed without it all rubbing off, and so yeah, you can't be bringing toothpaste or things like that because they get curious to the smells. And uh, but black bears, I think, will be fine. Grizzlies and polar bears, they're different, different, uh, different ball game. Wow! And have you seen a polar like running across the ice? I have been seeing usually that you'll just see them strolling along, but they can when they're strolling, they're probably running. They're strolling as fast as you'll jog. So, and um, they stroll at about ten kilometers an hour. So when you're watching them from the ship or from Zodiac, you'll see them strolling along, and they're covering serious ground. And um, if you've seen, I I wouldn't like to encounter one for sure. They will kill you for sure. There's no there's no doubt about it. Like. What if you talked really nicely? <laughs> no, no, there's no, there's no talking about it. Um, I've seen a few. Uh, some uh, guys I know have kayaked around Svalbard. They were the first people to ever do it, and the videos they have would not instill you to ever camp in polar bear territory because they were tormented by them. Because you, they have an incredible sense of smell. Like they can smell from thirty kilometers away, and you're like a what? big fried sausage. Yeah, and. Uh, 
and also you're cooking your food and stuff so they can smell that from miles and miles away and then they come and they want to see what's happening and they, they have videos of them shooting bangers and flares and firing rifles off and the polar bear is just standing there looking he won't doesn't even budge yeah super scary stuff and do some people go on and hike and they bring a gun or yeah yeah well in Svalbard you're not allowed to leave the town without a gun yeah, so it's the law. Um, and you'll see people walking around town with uh, with shotguns on the, or rifles on the shoulders and signs <laughs> on the signs on the shop. You have to leave your gun at the door when you're going in. And I'll have to bring your gun in. Reminds but me it's of here. El Salvador. They all have guns. Yeah, yeah. For different reasons. <laughs> wow. And like they're obviously specific animal like they're tranquilizers or what are they? No, no, they'd be really big rifle, like nearly kind of nearly like exploding rifle bullet. Because to stop a polar bear would take big, um, would take a big bullet. But Jesus. um, yeah, they're they're kind of um, like in Greenland, you'll see them if you stop at an Inuit village, you'll see the polar bear skins out drying, like so they hunt them. So their relationship with them is very different to ours. You know what I mean? They they're for them they're um. They're part of uh, their the animals that they hunt, you know, and they'd hunt walrus and minke whale and everything. Where to us that'd be unheard of and 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 unallowed, wouldn't be allowed. But um, in their cultures, it's different. And they're indigenous. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The old ways, I suppose. Yeah, because where is that northern island where they're killing? I don't know what type of whale it is now, but they kill masses of them. Faroe Islands, I'd say. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, they kill a lot of pilot whales. I, I, yeah, exactly. And they don't really need to be doing it because they're not. Yeah, I, there's a bit of a question mark about why they need to be doing it. But yeah, they do a lot. But they'll say it's our traditional heritage. Da, 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 but Jesus. An incredible place to visit, though. I've been lucky enough to be there. The, it's unbelievable. What's it like? Um, well, it's like this massive rocks that are just basically huge massive cliffs just jutting straight up out of the sea and um yeah it's, it's just incredible scenery kayak awesome there? place yeah yeah we we're looking up spent about i think we were about three days there kayaking i was doing a trip across the north atlantic on a ship from scotland to the Faroe islands and then iceland so yeah it was a really cool place yeah and do you know like in iceland there's like a history of like irish going up there like from a long way back I think Brendan the Voyager went there, or the monks or something. Somebody was telling Europa. me anyway that a lot of them are actually Irish up there. Oh, yeah, I do believe it. Yeah, it's mad. Um, yeah. yeah, and another thing, actually, I remember in Iceland, there was a lady I met from Argentina, um, and she was saying that, like, her friends, like, five out of six were on antidepressants. Oh, yeah, well, it is a big problem in all the Scandinavian countries. Um <laughs> With mental health, like suicide is a big problem in, I think it's um, Finland. Um, but I don't know why. Is, is it the dark nights or the long the, the summer days? I don't know. It's interesting, though. Well, I like even the last couple of days, I felt it in my skin. I'm like, oh, like I'm usually optimistic. But I was just like, yeah. seriously, we were just had so much gorgeous weather, you know? Yeah. Um. But I see, yeah, it's funny when the weather changes, but it'll come again. But yeah, it definitely has an effect on your outlook and mood and stuff like that. Yeah, but because... you just have to embrace it. You have to embrace it. That's it. Absolutely, yeah. But it's like, 
it's like um it's such a vast difference because like even you know when you think of like um safety as a human being and like safety we hear birds and we hear noises like yesterday I did not hear mm. a single bird like none of the swallows came out no bird oh, wow. I didn't hear a single bee and like normally where I'm living is so loud with wildlife like wow. nothing all I could hear was trees like nearly falling over and I was like oh this sounds so eerie but there is biologically a thing that goes on in our head of like you're not safe because I was reading it in a book about yeah. this ancestral brain of like the birds when they're singing you feel calm and at ease because the birds are saying you're safe so if the birds yeah. aren't singing it's like oh shit something's oh, happening oh. you know and then last That's... night I saw one swallow and I was like oh thank you <laughs> <I swear. laughs> That's very interesting actually Well I felt quite tired yesterday myself and I was wondering what was it to do with the weather but that would make sense because if you were trying to protect a species, um, if that was the case, the best thing to do would be to stay in the cave all day. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if our biology says makes us tired for that reason. Um, exactly. To, to That's very yeah. interesting. And it's like those wild spaces or whatever that we don't really have much of. Like That's, I, I, that's why we're all kind of suffering, really. But it's like that eerie feeling the book I can't even remember the name but it's absolutely fascinating because it's really understanding your primal brain you know mm -hmm. and I was literally like when I saw that one bird I was like thank you like I needed to see something that was living you know right right and um, um, that reminds me of a quote I read recently um Frederick Nietzsche said never trust the thought that occurs indoors oh wow <laughs> That's very good isn't it mm. Yeah, and it, it it it's funny when you think about when you go outside, like you don't, you're not as negative. Like when you're in open spaces, your your expands your thinking, and you don't have the um, you don't have that uh, rut you get in mind, the mind, the cycle you get in when you're sitting inside. And yeah. It's it is crazy. Yeah, um, and do you spend much time indoors? Um, probably not like I wouldn't be a big man I wouldn't be a big man for watching movies and stuff like that or Netflix or anything like that if I was on a plane I will but if I'm uh, if yeah. I'm at home I won't be I'll be out doing something or yeah I find it hard to rest you know it's uh, a trick it's one of them things um, <laughs> it's trick. and it's and of course I'm affected I'm, I'm totally affected with the Irish thing of if there's sunshine you have to be out doing something because you may never see it again um, <laughs> which gets, gets exhausting after eight solid weeks of good weather you're like I actually know. I could do with a few days of rain because I'm, I need to relax for a while yeah. yeah Um, and in that book as well it was saying that like you know you're you know the way cows they did a study on different animals in wide open spaces that's why we feel so good right. in the mountains when the landscape's really vast your parasympathetic nervous system is activated but like when you're okay. in contracted environments, you know, like the square walls we built, which aren't right for us at all. And mm -hmm. it actually releases the stress hormones. And it's like when your eyes, your eyes actually dilate when they're in vast open environments, because it's like, again, it's like safety. But they've done studies on cows and when they put them in like small spaces and big spaces. And it's it's fascinating, like to understand the biology of it and stuff. Yeah, I think, and we we over we tried to disregard a lot of that because we're modern humans. But 
we're only modern humans for a couple hundred years, maybe a thousand years. So, yeah, we're not that evolved. We can't evolve our biology that fast. <laughs> There's the dog agrees. <laughs> I know. I'm currently dog sitting. Um Good. so she has to come with me. Um yeah, so where would like your next kind of ideal place to go be? Or where would you be like, oh I'd love to visit there, climb that or oh um the, definitely the Sea Cortez in Baja, California. Um yeah, a lot of talk to a lot of guides about it, a lot of them have that I work with a lot of them have visited there um just as 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 I know as tourists or whatever but yeah in the winter time January February March is an unbelievable place for marine life and uh yeah I'd really like to possibly this winter I'll I'll try and take that off and um go visit there and kayaking oh maybe I'll do some kayaking when I'm there um luckily enough I've kayaked in nearly every place I've wanted to kayak I've kayaked already so um but i'm always going to like if there's a, a race on in some unusual place that i want to do i might go and do that or um at the moment i don't have much appetite for planning big expeditions and there are big scratches that need to be scratched sometimes and yeah I'm, I'm i'm quite content at the moment not to be doing any of them um but you never know when you when you might make a decision and go and say yeah my kayak around ireland again or something like that Mm. you never say never yeah and for anybody that would like like to get into the water or try it out like what would you recommend them or like how could it help them or <clears throat> yeah well definitely like um as we all know like everyone sees sea swimming and stuff like that being on being on or near water is definitely good for you and being in open spaces connecting with nature um i think there's a big movement in meditation but people don't realize just being outside doing stuff is meditation and um if you're engaged and learning a new skill it's really focuses your brain so you ain't worried about how many likes you've got on a post on facebook or something like that you're you're totally immersed in what you're doing in in the moment so um and and learning new skills is really important for me like i can i don't I, there's not much i can learn in kayaking now but i still I practice to be better all the time but then like i'll often go and couple of years ago i learned to uh, kite surf or stand up paddle surf which uh would annoy, <laughs> annoy the surfers um, <laughs> and then um so yeah always trying to find new things um but if you're getting into paddle sports yeah join uh go maybe first and just go to a, a, your local provider and go kayaking or go stand up paddle boarding and see how you like it and uh then if you're into it yeah join a club or do a course get a bit of knowledge safety wise and then just get out there and get out paddling as much as you can and, and don't um yeah don't be too don't hold yourself back you know the more often you can get out the better you get faster mm -hmm. and try and get some friends friends into it and and you'll meet you'll meet plenty of new people because oh, oh, everyone wants somebody else to go and paddle with or needs somebody else to go and paddle with so there's always people around that are up for for doing stuff yeah just buy the equipment yeah, we'll get the training, then buy the equipment. A lot of people do it the wrong way around. They buy the equipment, then they get the training, and then they realize all the stuff they bought is crap. And then they have to go and try and get better gear. So, yeah, if you can, or even join a club, and they'll, you'll have access to more gear, and then you can decide what what, you, what you're actually into. You know? Yeah, 
and like you know for the races then like would you kind of um would you be sick now before it or would you be pumped what with nerves yeah um i wouldn't get that nervous where i'd be sick but i and <laughs> nerves nerves are normal but if you've prepared well like um if you've prepared well it's um it's never too bad but yeah if it's a really big race or long distances and you know it's going to hurt a lot then and you haven't prepared then you then you will <laughs> then you will be uh you will be getting having restless nights but if you're fit and you've trained well doesn't matter how big the distance is then you know you can um you know you'll do it mm. you know and that's what training is really people always think training is a physical thing actually fit, training is as much a mental preparation that you've told yourself i can do this so that when it comes to the th- to whatever you're training for you know you know you can do it you know you can um suffer through it or you can a- achieve it you know um so it's not it's not all about phys- building physical capacity it's actually about building mental capacity yeah and how did you like rowing i've never rowed in my life okay or i I've <laughs> raced i raced in rowing you see and i used to be nearly oh yeah i i think it's because i was rowing with other people and the pressure used to get to me they'd be like okay, no yeah. you will be willing it and i'm like oh don't put that pressure on me you know I mean, we did yeah, everything, yeah. but like, it's like you're with three people and you must be at the same level. You know, there's okay. no like having a little breath or just dropping your oar. Or like you mm-hmm. have to be in flow and the same. Um, but it was tough. Like it was definitely tough. I haven't tried rowing, but yeah, in in any sport where there's more than yourself to blame, it brings in other dynamics. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, there can be a lot of it can cause controversy or arguments or um, maybe that's why I'm attracted to kayak solo sports um, kayak. And I do I've done many races in double kayaks, which and that's with one other person. And that can be enough to to be like cause um, agitation. And so uh, and it's yeah, like I the feeling what, of being what, it's not like a football team or a tennis team it's like the feeling of being trapped as well with them out in the ocean right. you know you're like totally confined you know and and everything they do affects you so if they move to the left you've got to move to the right or whatever you know so um yeah it's that's tricky yeah have yeah. you have you considered doing a ocean crossing or anything and the boat rowing yeah I haven't, to be honest, I haven't really done it in a while now, but I'd love to go back for a row, but no, I haven't yet. Are you putting something in my brain now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, Do you not have three months solitary confinement crossing the Southern Atlantic? <laughs> oh, it's, oh, geez, I don't know about that now. It's definitely the way to do it if you want. Uh, I've been asked before to kayak across the Atlantic, but I didn't uh, give it much thought because it's not the, they're not the vessel really in my mind. Kayaks are not the vessels for big ocean crossings. Um, rowboats are much better because you have way more leverage, um, and you can make them a little bit bigger, so you can move around a bit more on them, a bit, little, little bit more comfort. But um, yeah, kayak, a, a modified ocean kayak is not really. It doesn't appeal to me to spend three or four months locked in one. No, I think I'd suffer mentally. I'd say. Well, you never, but again, never say never because these things can creep up on you and you make a mad decision and go, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Who knows, eh? Um, yeah. 
yeah so thanks for coming on is there any anywhere like people could find you for anything or would you like to share anything about your work yeah so you can um on instagram my handle is at uh, dh kayaking and uh, my company in, ba- company in balana is paddle and pedal um it used to be kayaking and bikes now it's just kayaking so but it's still paddle and pedal and um yeah just google kayaking and balana you'll probably find me and um yeah if people want to come kayak in northwest mayo more than welcome or even come to one of the polar regions they can get to me on instagram or facebook and do that too and the next polar one is next in a few weeks time next month yeah and the 16th of august i'll go to svalbard for 10 days wow it should be good yeah i think we're going to go quite far north on this trip so probably above 80 degrees north which will be uh, really cool amazing um cool well thank you for coming on thanks for having me yeah it was a great chat and uh yeah we'll uh, hopefully chat again in the future thank you so folks thanks for tuning in today if you liked the episode please give it a share and patrons thanks for your monthly contribution if you can support please go on to patreon.com slash catch caught and chat to you all soon Long.